Welcome to The Get, the podcast for enterprise leaders delivering timely insights for today's global economy and tomorrow's competitive advantage. I'm your host, Chris Kane, president of the Center for Global Enterprise. And on today's podcast, we'll discuss the challenges and responsibilities companies face as they increasingly rely on data and digital technologies to make critical business decisions. For the past quarter century, companies have worked to become digital. Today, business models are increasingly grounded in constantly flowing digital data, reinventing how decisions are made. Companies are becoming data enterprises with data-infused models capable of providing organizations with more agility and resilience to turbulent economic and societal events. This is creating opportunities and challenges for business leaders, but also bringing increased regulatory scrutiny to ensure that new digital technologies such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, and algorithms. Concerns are being raised by societal stakeholders around whether companies can be trusted with these new capabilities. Today, our conversation will be about the data enterprise, managing for growth and trust. To help CEOs and business leaders better understand these developments and navigate this new terrain, we sit down with Ken Chenault, Chairman and Managing Director of General Catalyst, and former Chairman and CEO of American Express, and John Awada, Executive Fellow at Yale School of Management, and former IBM Senior Vice President and Chief Brand Officer. Both Ken and John are leaders in the Data Trust Alliance, a nonprofit organization that brings together leading businesses and institutions from across multiple industries to learn, develop, and adopt responsible data and AI practices. Ken and John, welcome. Thank you for coming. Great to be here, Chris. Ken, perhaps we can begin with you. Just before the pandemic, you and Sam Palmisano had conversations with CEOs about the benefits and risks of leveraging data and AI. At that time, what was on the minds of these CEOs? Well, I think what's very important, Chris, is you talk about data enterprises. The reality is that every company is now involved with data and the digital transformation. And Sam Pomizano and I, in our conversations with CEOs, what became crystal clear is that every one of them was betting their company's future on data and AI one way or another. And I think we're all watching the issues embroiling some big tech companies, issues like trust, privacy, control, transparency. And I think there was an emerging realization from across a range of industries that the data enterprise issue was not just an issue for tech companies, it was an issue for all companies. And we had to figure out how to use data in a responsible way because I think as we all know and have seen, bad things could happen. And what we thought was we needed to bring companies together in a consortium of like-minded companies to accelerate their learning. And so we put together a working group in March of 2020 made up of senior executives 
from the core of 12 companies. And that's how we started the Data and Trust Alliance. And it's based on a common principle. Every enterprise has an essential obligation to be a responsible steward of data and AI. And I think what's important here in our conversations with CEOs was one we said, we want to be pragmatic. And we don't just want to study issues. And one of the first things that we focused on, for example, was to create anti-bias safeguards for HR functions in evaluating vendors. And this was a significant exposure, and this work filled the gap. We now have 24 companies, some of the largest companies, Walmart, Nike, IBM, UPS, CVS, MasterCard, American Express, of course, General Catalyst. And I think what's critical here is that I think companies have woken up to the need to become digital. And there's an understanding, increasing understanding, that their companies are essentially data enterprises. So it sounds like, Ken, what you're suggesting is it's a business model that has arrived for companies, but the recognition of what needs to change from a management perspective may not have caught up with the actual operational reality. Absolutely, Chris. We're in the early innings of this. And part of what we're trying to do in the Data Trust Alliance is to frankly anticipate what are some of the issues rather than just be wholly reactive. And I think what's also important here is we're getting CEOs from a range of industries to focus on this issue. And I think that's going to make a major difference going forward. So clearly, companies feel that there's a growth opportunity for the use of these digital technologies and becoming data enterprises, as you've described. John, maybe you could talk a little bit about the work of the Data and Trust Alliance and the specific activities that it's focused on, to Ken's point, to produce practical learnings and management assets for companies to adopt. We've been operational since September of 2020. As Ken mentioned, our first project was somewhat surprising to some members of the Alliance because you might think that we would focus on customer applications, the use of consumer or customer data, but instead we focused on HR functions and their use of data and algorithms and machine learning across the spectrum of workforce decisions. I think that was a very useful choice because it was both um, unaddressed need, as Ken mentioned, and pragmatic in that it resulted in these safeguards to be used by procurement departments and HR departments of our member companies. That was a taste of the kind of work that we do. We have only one KPI that was set by the CEOs who formed the alliance. The KPI is adoption by practitioners within the companies. That has been very clarifying as we select projects and we go about developing them. Not only is the alliance cross industry, but the people that I work with week to week, month to month are cross-functional. So representing the American Expresses and Starbucks and CVS Healths on a day-to-day -day basis 
are chief legal officers, chief innovation officers, CTOs, line of business, general managers, chief privacy officers, and yes, chief data, chief analytics officers. The fact that we have so many different views into our projects has turned out to be a great benefit. So we have a cross-industry view, a cross-functional view. I think it makes the work very pragmatic. I'll give an example of one project that's in full development right now. We're calling it New Diligence. It's a riff off of Due Diligence. The premise is this. Our member companies are acquisitive. It's fair to say that most of the companies they are targeting for investment or acquisition have as their primary value drivers, data, algorithms, and AI. The question was, when they drop in their investment bankers and lawyers to conduct due diligence, do those teams have the new criteria, the questions to ask, what to inspect, both for the value drivers and also the new risk factors? And the member companies said, actually, They've had some recent bad experiences with acquisitions that did not go so well, and the root cause turned out to be this new blind spot. They didn't know what to look for, what to ask for to evaluate these acquisitions. And so for the past six months, we've been working with over 12 M&A teams of our member companies to hammer out algorithmic due diligence, data due diligence, and responsible culture diligence that will then be added to their due diligence criteria and processes. I think last point I'll make here, Chris, is we're seeing the need for a new kind of literacy. We saw it with the HR functions and procurement. They did not understand these concepts. They did not understand the terminology or the impacts or the regulatory environment. And we saw it again with the M&A departments. And I think this is a pattern we're going to see as these companies become, as you put it, and as Ken described, data enterprises. It will require, among other things, new literacy. One of the points that I just emphasize is 25 years ago, when people woke up to, we need to focus on digital, we need to really understand the internet. Some CEOs thought that they could delegate the work to a single executive or unit, and that would solve it. And I think it's taken years for companies to recognize that this was a systemic shift and meant the whole enterprise had to transform. And so I think what's critical with the Data Trust Alliance is that companies are getting involved from the start and they're staying involved. And they now understand that you can't assign this to a single unit or person. The whole company needs to be focused on this. So I'd like to dig deeper on that. You and John have both said, this is my phrase, the new organizing principle for the enterprise. And as a management organizing principle, Clearly, it seems like these 23 companies who are members of the DNTA have their attention and you have their buy-in. But I would think there are a number of our listeners who are probably wondering if this data enterprise is really a new business phenomenon. So I'd like to just dig into that a little bit, Ken, with your experience, which is you led American Express for years, and it is perhaps one of the most data-infused companies operating in the world. Are things really that different today in the concept of this data enterprise? And as I heard you explain 
migration to awareness, I was thinking a lot of companies didn't appreciate how they needed to automate their processes. But it sounds to me like you and John are taking this to a new level of sophistication, which is it's not about automating and connecting them. It's really about organizing and creating a new management principle. So maybe you could talk a little bit about your American Express experience. Yeah, I think American Express is an example of a data enterprise company. And what I think is very important is that I think American Express has understood 25 years ago, we created, in essence, a internet division and digital division. And we didn't take an integrated approach. The view was, as part of the digital transformation, we needed to focus our energies. And in the early 2000s, I took over as CEO in 2001. One of the things that became crystal clear to me was that we were so dependent on data that we had to get the entire company engaged and involved in the digital transformation. And it went to the point, Chris, that I even had our board trained because my point to them was, how can you make decisions on how data is being used if you don't understand some of the basics? And driving that down through the organization, frankly, took years. There is now, I think, a greater level of accountability and a greater level of integration. Because what happened in a lot of companies is the assignment went to the head of technology. And the view was, you deal with it. And we changed that and said, we've got to have the processes, we've got to have the platform, we've got to have the management awareness, and we have to have the accountability. And that has made, I think, a fundamental difference for American Express, because the reality is, once we started to look at the company, in essence, as a data enterprise, it frankly allowed us to leverage not only the data synergies, but the strategic synergies across our businesses. Yeah. And from a management standpoint, as you've said, it increases interdependencies and accountability across the function. And that is probably a journey that many companies are going to be on for quite some time. That's not easy work. That is not easy work at all. And that is why I think, you know, one of the realizations we all need to have is the progress and the speed of change is incredible. And when we think of the emergence of AI and machine learning and the impact that that has, the reality is that the role of the CEO is one that they have to be a leader in this area in the company. They can't delegate that responsibility to someone else. And I got to tell you that some CEOs are increasingly realizing this. But I think we're, frankly, in the early innings of the data enterprise. Some CEOs, I would imagine, are really excited about all this, and some are scared. You got it. <laughs> you got it, Chris. As a corollary to the American Express reference, 
I'd like to talk a little bit about what you're doing now as chairman of General Catalyst, a VC firm. And today's startups, I imagine you see, are both centered and organized around the power of data and AI as their core business value or value drivers. But as the chairman of General Catalyst, what are you seeing in the startup and entrepreneurial community? Do they appreciate this phenomena as much as the DNTA is articulating it? What I would say, frankly, is, again, with the startups, we're in the very early innings in all candor. What I do think is important is that, one, General Catalyst is a member of DTNA. And one of the reasons why we are a member is we believe that we've got a special opportunity and responsibility to help founders understand what their responsibility is and the importance of the data enterprise. So one of the concepts that we're very focused on with our companies is a concept we call responsible innovation. And what that is, is they've got to consider the impacts, not only of technology, but the impacts of data and how it affects their clients and customers, and also the risks that are there. One of the things that we're very focused on and are working obviously closely with Sam and John and the other companies that are involved in DTNA is to understand what are the impacts of AI and machine learning? What are the impacts of how they use data and to do it from the beginning as they're creating the company. And we're finding founders are being responsive. That's great. The title of our session and conversation this morning is Managing for Growth and Trust. John, I'd like to talk a little bit about the trust side of things. And surveys indicate that levels of public trust in companies is at a very low level across the board, down with other institutions, unfortunately, in society. How can the enterprise leader ensure their organization is viewed as a trusted steward of the data they have and the data they acquire? Part of it's been touched on, it's transparency and making it very clear what data is being collected, how it's being used, how it won't be used. Now we have to add to it, not just data transparency, but I would say algorithmic transparency as well. And that ranges from when am I actually interacting with an AI or an automated system, disclosing that, making the system so-called explainable. These machine learning driven systems and applications are often called black boxes because they're not programmed or coded completely. They learn through interaction and through more data. You know, why should I trust the recommendation coming from the system? Why should I act upon the recommendation? How should I factor it into my own decision-making? That's a different level of trust. That's not a, are you misusing my data? That's trust in the intelligence of the system itself. So it's a whole new realm of trust. The other thing I would add to that, Chris, is what's at stake here? And if you think about the digital era, what were some of the big stories that we still may remember, those of us who lived through that? You might think of Equifax or Target and customer data breaches. You might think about 
you know, slow download times or websites that weren't very responsive, right? Those were impacts. What's at stake in the data enterprise? Think of Zillow. What's the difference there? You had algorithms making critical business decisions that were very bad business decisions, hundreds of millions of dollars there. Think about algorithmic systems making or helping doctors make diagnosis decisions and treatment decisions, or managers hiring candidates or promoting people or paying people, extending loan approvals or denying credit. These are not denial of service attacks or my website is slow or my app is not competitive. These are very important decisions, some of them literally life or death. And that's why I think the Data and Trust Alliance was so named. I mean, it didn't take 20 years for these CEOs to say, oh, this isn't just using technology for business advantage. The stakes are much higher. We better get it right from the start. So let's talk about growth. Governments around the world, for instance, the EU, are proposing new regulations to create guidelines for the use of AI systems. Will these new rules, in both of your opinions, disrupt how companies are developing and deploying systems for growth of their businesses? And what level of impact do you think do you see if it is? I think, Chris, I'd back up a little bit. What's important here and what we're trying, frankly, also to do with the Data Trust Alliance is to put some self-governance in place. So, in fact, regulations are not put in that will have an unintended consequence. It's too early to tell what some of the impacts will be, but clearly what I think is important for companies is we're all focused on growth and we should be focused on growth. What we also need to do is we've got to focus on how to use data in a responsible way how, in fact, to use AI and machine learning to anticipate what could happen. The concern I have is things are moving so quickly that I think it's very difficult to write regulations that, in fact, will deal with the real issues. So businesses have a responsibility to be proactive in talking to regulators about what they're doing and what the issues are so we don't have these unintended consequences. But the reality is you hit it exactly, and John talked about it, is this is all about trust. What I would also say from a regulatory standpoint that they are more reactive. And when you're reactive, you're acting in the past. You're not thinking about what will happen in the future. What we have to do is change that dynamic. And I would say one of the real challenges that is out there is, can businesses work cooperatively as they're doing in the Data Trust Alliance going forward? Because I think the private sector, their role needs to change and we're going to have to govern ourselves or else the government has no choice because when the consumer is harmed, they have to act. 
I think we've seen this throughout the course of business, certainly in my professional career, where, as you say, regulation public policy is a lagging response to the pace of change and technology advances. And it is an opportunity for leaders in the private sector to both educate their public officials about what's happening and what are the pluses and the minuses that come from that change. So it's a real opportunity for companies who choose to be leaders, but they have to be leaders in both the external realm as well as the internal and commercial realm. I want to thank you both for your time and and your insights today. Before we close, we always like to give the last minute to talk about issues that you all see over the horizon, and we call it our emerging critical issues moment. So is there one word or phrase, tell us, about an emerging issue you see on the horizon that business leaders need to put on their radar? One word or phrase. John, let's go to you first. My phrase is one that I learned by working with these companies over the past 18 months. That term is algorithmic safety. All right. Ken? If you don't mind, Chris, I have two. The first one may be old, but the importance of trust. The second one for me is workforce transformation. I just think that with the post-pandemic issues, thinking through how to meet the needs of workers, not just whether they're remote or physical, but also very importantly, how are we training and reskilling our workers? We certainly seem to be in a new phase of societal development and clearly business development. So thank you both for your thoughts on that. We'll come back to these in future shows. Thank you, Chris. You have been listening to The Get, sponsored by the Center for Global Enterprise, celebrating 10 years of convening global leaders around the most important business transformation issues. 